Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. We have something kind of special, kind of different that we're going to be doing this morning. We've actually had the opportunity to do this a a few times uh, since all this uh, coronavirus stuff started. And it's actually been really refreshing um, because what we're doing today is we're taking a moment to kind of pause and to circle back around on some of the things that have been really impacting to Travis and I um, as we've walked through this recent series. And and if you haven't been with us, uh, we have spent the past several weeks working through a series that we called Our Inheritance. And most of it has been based out of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 11, and 12. And Matt's been kind of walking us through that now that we are a part of God's family, for those of us who have given our lives over to Jesus, uh, we have an inheritance as part of that family. And uh, it's easy for us, I think, sometimes to not really recognize like what that inheritance looks like. Um, and so in Hebrews, it gives us a really clear picture of this is what, this is what we're inheriting when we're part of God's family. And, and it not only changes what's to come, it also changes like what's here right now. And I know for me, it's really easy, um, and I'm sure many of us have been in this position, where we hear something really impacting or really challenging or really encouraging from a message or from God's word. And, uh, and we think, man, that's, that's like a game changer for me. That's going to be a big deal. And then, you know, the next thing happens or the next day comes around or whatever. And pretty soon that has been pushed to the back burner, if not out of our minds altogether. And there's this, there's this really important, really discipline is what it is, I think, of circling back around on the things that God has been speaking to us, to sit in those things, to let those things, those truths, change how we think about people and, and what we do and, and how we act. And, um, and that's kind of like what the point of today is. As, as we walk through some of the things that really stuck out to us, um, some of the things that have been really impactful to us from this series, I hope that you have some things coming up into your mind um, that God has really been speaking to you throughout this series. But in case maybe you haven't been with us, and uh, or if you're like me and it's easy to forget, um, we kind of want to just walk through briefly a bit of a recap of what the series has been so that we have a little bit of a foundation to build on. And so in the very first week, Matt started with the main thing um, in Hebrews chapter 10 uh, that our inheritance isn't just stuff we get from Jesus. There are certainly promises and truths there, but really our inheritance is relationship with Jesus. Um, he is like the thing that, that all of our life is built upon. He is the center of everything that we do when we have relationship with God. We can look to him, we can count on what I see in Jesus is like the direction that I should head. And he sustains us and he guides us and he is our everything. Uh, he's our center, and we talk about it a lot like this. He's our magnetic north. Um, he, if, we fall, if we look at the life of Jesus and we listen to the words of Jesus, we can know we're headed in the right direction. He's not just a part of our inheritance. He is our inheritance. It all comes back down to Jesus, which I know seems elementary, I guess, but, I mean, it's, it's the deal, all right? Like, it's the thing that everyone, that all this is built on. So we need to make sure that we understand that. It's not outside of Jesus. It is Jesus. Um, the second week, we actually left the book of Hebrews and we spent some time in the book of Ephesians. And we talked about how another part of our inheritance is this, uh, this unity um, that, that 
people get to have when they have a relationship with God and how God is, is really great about, as Ephesians says, tearing down the walls of hostility that separate us. And we took the moment, uh, in the, the moment in our culture and in this world uh, to really address uh, racism and racial reconciliation and some of the divides that have come up just, just due to race. And they're not new things, it's just they're the spotlight's on them right now. And we, taught, we, we kind of realized and walked through that, you know, that has no, no room in the life of a believer. That has no space there. And how Jesus, something that he promises us as part of our inheritance, is a unity there. That wall has come crashing down, and the church should be, like, the, at the very front lines of that. Um, in the third week, we talked about how Jesus is the object of our faith. Uh, we spent time in Hebrews chapter 11, and, and if you've read that, there's that long list of just A-list Bible people, and they're people who had great faith in God, but what Matt kind of zeroed in on, and it's a great truth, is that most of those people, or all those people, excuse me, never saw it completely come to fruition. They never saw their trust and their hope in, in God fully come to fruition in their lifetime, but they knew God, they trusted God, and so they had faith in God. And how we're all in that same boat. We might not see everything pan out the way that we think it should in our life, but we have relationship with Jesus, and that means we can have faith and hope in, in things that we don't necessarily see right now. And the final week, Matt wrapped it up with just this, uh, this message on the truth that Jesus is the model, and he's the power for our endurance, that no matter what we are going through in this world, God has a good plan in it to grow us. And, and whether things are easy or difficult, whether things seem to be working out the way that we think they should, or they're really, really a challenge, that God has growth that he wants to bring into our lives. And so part of the inheritance that God gives us is this endurance to walk through every season of life, recognizing Jesus wants to bring change into us. And so there are all kinds of amazing, amazing things uh, that God has been speaking to our church about as a result of the series. I feel like it's been incredibly important to walk through, especially in the season that we're living in right now. But we want to kind of zero in on a couple of things that really were, were of great impact to us. And so, Travis, we'll start with you. Um, what have you kind of seen as a connecting theme throughout all of these messages. I know that uh, as we talked, it was important to kind of nail down, well, here's, here's a theme that's not just one specific week. Here's something that has obviously been like on the front burner through all of these messages. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was something that Matt asked early on in the, in the series, and he asked the question, um, what he asked us to review in our lives the question, what are the impurities in my faith? And I think for me, since that question was asked, it was kind of a question I, I wanted to delve into a little bit, but I kind of didn't as well. Because um, if you're anything like me, through this time we've been in the pandemic, I've seen some really encouraging things about my character and my uh, my maturity. And I've seen some really not encouraging things about my character and my uh, um just the integrity of where I come from, just attitudinally and all those things. And um, I think I've seen that around me too. I think I've seen a lot of good things in people and, and, and some concerning things as well. I will, I will say though, um, I have been blown away by some of the people in this church, just the uh, amazing hearts of faith and endurance and keeping Jesus the main thing, not the things that divide us, but keeping Jesus the main thing. Uh, I've been so encouraged by so many people that I've just seen 
keep on the track of becoming more like Jesus through this. So like, it's not all bad, right? There's been a lot of great stuff that I've seen come out of this, and a lot of uh, you out there who have been an incredible testimony of the faithfulness of God to me and uh, just keeping your eyes fixed on him. I think for me, this, the, the thing that uh, more than anything else has been the, the theme has been the, the fire is kind of on us right now. The, the, the testing is on us and the pressure is on. And so, so much like, uh, you know, uh, purifying precious metals, right? They, they put this big heat on, this big fire on, and then the metal melts. And anything that isn't the precious metal, it's kind of the impurities in the metal, floats up to the top. And so it becomes very obvious what it is. And it can, it can either be scraped off and dealt with, or you can mix it back in and take the fire off and let it harden back into the metal. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing I've seen uh, is that uh, my faith has been tested. I'm seeing so many objects of my faith that aren't Jesus. Um, things that I put my faith in that aren't him. Um, and so this season we're in is like a huge opportunity for self-reflection, to see what's really in my heart. Um, because when the heat's turned up, all those impurities do rise to the top. Yeah, I, I think one of the benefits to this, well, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Really difficult to walk through, but I think it's a benefit in the long run is I think for so many of us, I would include myself in this, it's been easy to keep some lesser issues, air quotes, yeah. uh, at bay, like when things are going well, yeah. when things are, are, are feeling normal. Um, but now that the pressure's turned on and the heat's turned up, it's like, I can't ignore those things anymore. And, yeah. and in, on the one hand, like, that's a really good opportunity for self-reflection, for surrendering these things over to Jesus. The difficult side is I'm seeing parts of myself, like, I don't love, you know? Things that maybe at some point I convinced myself, I don't even know if those are there anymore. But they're really rising to the top at this point. Right. And so because that's happening to all of us, here's what I think the sinister, the thing I've noticed in myself and others as well, the sinister thing that, uh, that I see happening that the devil is trying to do is that because all this impurity is rising to the top, I don't have to sit there and look at my own. Uh, I can feel that kind of twinge of, of God confronting me on something, but I can so easily then just look out and shift and say, but what about all these other people? And I think that's a sinister thing that our, our sin nature is doing and that the devil is doing is that when we start coming into contact with those parts of us that are impure, rising to the top, and God's like, we could work on this. We could make you more like my son, Jesus. The devil whispers into our ears, yeah, but look at that person. Look at how they're reacting. Look at the decisions they're making. Look how illogical they are. Look how uh, scared they are. Look how um, overdone, you know, their reaction is. And, and I can just be seeing all this stuff out there when there's stuff like right under my own nose in my own life that I could be giving over to the Lord. And so I think most of us, the pressure being pretty high, we're seeing stuff in our lives that we don't like. But instead of dealing with it, I think for a fair few of us, and I'm, I'm one of those, um, what do we do? We project it. We project onto others. Um, or we try to find someone else who's worse off than we are, and we focus on that. Yeah, my mind goes back to, uh, it was a, a little while ago, Matt talked about how, like, we're, own, we're our own best, like, defense lawyer, yeah. right? And, and we just defend, like, and rationalize and justify, like, our behavior. And one of, <laughs> on a, it's just lazy, really, is what it is. Yeah. One of the lazy but easy things to do is to look around and be like, look at all these yeah. people, my goodness, these people. Um, instead of doing the hard work, 
of looking inward and surrendering these things over to Jesus? Yeah, I think for me it's definitely lazy. I think it's also um, pain avoidant yeah. uh, because looking into my, my own heart and having to, you know, address things in my own life and admit things, it's painful. It's no good. You know, it's not fun to, to go through that. So where I, my mind has constantly been drawn back to during this series, and honestly, I think through the, the whole pandemic, pandemic so far, um, Jesus keeps bringing me back to Matthew 7 as part of his Sermon on the Mount. Like this is his grand opus sermon where he's saying this, he's defining his kingdom and he's defining the people of his kingdom. And in Matthew 7, 3, Jesus says this, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? This is kind of a comical scene, you know. Imagine a guy with a giant, like, plank hanging out of his eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I'm finding in myself that I am seeing specks in eyes everywhere. And very rarely do I stop and look at my own. So I can be very uh, distracted with everyone else's issues, the way they're handling things, the way decisions they're making, opinions they have. And I get fixated on that. All the while, I've got some pretty gnarly splinters in my own eyes. And it's been so easy for me to see those specks and be completely blind to the planks, the logs hanging out of, of, of my eye. Uh, but, but here's what Jesus teaches us about seeing flaws in others. It's not that there aren't flaws in others. It's not that we never, like, address the flaws in other people. Uh, but he says, when I see a flaw in someone else, my primary, my first action should not be to go and fix them. When I see a flaw in someone else, a speck in their eye, the first thing I should do is stop and use it as a mirror and say, but wait, do I have the same problem? Or maybe it's not the same problem, but do I have a different thing that is really dragging me down in my walk with the Lord and my becoming like Christ? And so for a believer, seeing an impurity, seeing a problem in another person is not an opportunity to jump on that problem in the other person. It's actually an opportunity to present my heart to God and say, God, show me what's going on with me. Um, to stop and say, wait a second. Am, am I like that? That thing, I, I'm, I'm, that criticism that's on the tip of my tongue to say about that person I know or that politician who's making a decision or that person who is, uh, you know, posting something, uh, to stop and say, am I like that? Is that how I think? Is that what I do? Is that how I treat people? So when I have that thing on the tip of my tongue or the tip of my brain that I, I just want to point out in someone else, it's an opportunity to stop, to push pause and and look at myself. And that's such a, that's such a Jesus kingdom type value yeah. that we don't really see anywhere in the world around us. And, and so it can be easy, I think, for us to get like swept up in like, well, this is how the rest of the world functions. Yeah. Then we forget like, oh, we're supposed to be functioning different than yeah. that. And not to mention the, the damage that, that living that way can cause. Like it's a dumb, it's a dumb analogy, but like my mind keeps going back to it. It's like people who can't see like doing a bunch of like hack job LASIK surgery on yeah. other people hoping like, oh, well, this will help the whole world see better. But that's exactly the picture it. he's painting. Yeah, and you're, but you're causing more damage yeah. than, than good because you haven't stopped to consider, hey, maybe I'm not seeing things clearly. Yeah. How, how many different decisions would we make oh, man. if we did that, right? Oh, I, can, I can count thousands in my own life. Um, I think the beauty of this is, though, is that like 
Jesus isn't saying don't ever address issues that you see in other people. And he's not saying like you can't have an opinion. Um, he's just saying first deal with your own. Um, I'm just asking you to do one thing. Before you go deal with the problems of the world or the other people that you know, would you first stop and deal with your own? Um, and I, the thing for me that has always hit me about this passage is just imagine the difference that it is when if I see a problem um, or if Kyle sees a problem in me, and he first stops and he says, but what about me? And then he works through a process of the Lord changing him on something. And so that when he comes to me, because he still sees I have a problem, he comes to me, but he doesn't come to me as a judge or someone saying, hey, get your act together. He comes to me as a fellow struggler and he can put his arm around me and say, of course, six feet away, he can put his virtual the arm around arms. me and, and say, uh, Travis, I know what it's like to struggle with this, and I'm on that journey too. There's empathy there. So what a difference it is when someone comes to us. It's not that we don't go to each other with issues, but when they come empathetically and caring because they don't look at themselves as superior. I don't look at myself as superior. What a huge difference that is um, to, for someone to come to me and say, I know, because I'm messed up too. Mm-hmm. That, that totally takes my mind to, like, the students that I get to work with, and, you know, they live in this world where they, they just assume everyone's judging them all the time, mm. right, whether that's true or not. Mm. And, and they've, they've conditioned themselves to just respond from a defensive place all the time. Yeah. And so it's like when, when someone actually puts their arm around them and, and says, hey, I, I'm where you're at or I experience brokenness too, but let's do this together, it's like so disarming. And I feel like, maybe that's like a little example, but I feel like in the world of social media and also just the, the massive amount of really strong opinions right now, like we're, we as a culture are conditioning ourselves to, to be defensive as our very first instinct. And so imagine like how much of a different approach it could be if we as Christians, we decided well, we're going we're gonna to take the approach of making sure that yeah. And we're good before we ever put our arms around someone else and say, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm, when I'm people here. saw us coming, it wouldn't be a, a, a tensing up and a defensive posture. But that's a person who loves me. And even if they have to say hard truth to me, I know where it's coming from. Um, for the church, I do think that this is like a worldwide moment for each individual follower of Jesus um, to stop and look in the mirror. Um, this is just, this is the way of Jesus. It isn't like the world. It isn't what most people do. Most people, while you're saying your part of the, the argument, they're thinking of their part, not even listening to you, not, you know, so we divide over these things. Um, but this is the way of Jesus is to use the problems I see in the world first as a mirror for myself. Like that's, for me, the problems in the world are not first and foremost problems in the world. For me, First and foremost, they are mirrors to look at myself and see where the Lord is leading me to change and to ask the question, Holy Spirit, please fix my eyes first and my heart first. And I've, I've been amazed sometimes when I've actually obeyed Jesus in this and done that and when I've seen something someone stopped and taken like kind of stock of my life. I've been kind of surprised a number of times that, I, that when I saw something wrong quote unquote, in someone else. And then I stopped and did this and got to work through something in my heart. How often actually there wasn't a speck in that person's eye. It was a log in my own that I, I couldn't see well. So I thought I saw a speck over there. But really once Jesus worked on taking the log or the splinter out of my eye, how often I dropped the issue I had with someone because it really wasn't their issue. It was mine. 
Um, so I think that's a huge part of this too. So this is not a call to be opinionless or just mind your own business. None of that. And, and uh, you know, to just never work on fixing uh, things that are broken in the world. Um, it's just that there's a stop that Christians have to take before we go and fix what is outside of us. So if you're on a bus, you know, you, know, you got to take a stop um, and get off at this stop and be there for a little bit of, of humility and letting the Lord speak to us and show us the things in our lives. Then we can get back on the bus. And if it's still appropriate moving towards people, you know, that, that we need to maybe help and bring some solutions to. Um, so self-evaluation must always precede evaluation of others. It's just, it's Jesus said it. Like, we don't get to opt out of this. We do regularly opt out of it, but I just, I don't get that freedom to opt out of this. When I see things in other people, it's not that I can't address it. I have to, though, stop. And I have to look at myself first. So humility is always the first stop for a Christian. I mean, we've been talking about humility here at Crosspoint for years and years, and I don't think that'll ever stop. I hope it doesn't. Um, uh, because we cannot ensure wisdom and direction from God unless we re- remove the blind- blindness of pride in our heart. For me, I've found that uh, pride is a blinding agent. It makes it so that I can't see things clearly. And I think, I think that the, the reality, the truth of humility is like, it's a, it's a kindness to us. Like yeah. God's call to humility is a kindness to us. Sometimes it can be easy, I think, for us to look at things that are challenging to live in. Humility is challenging to live in. Um, and we, we, we see them as a burden, or maybe it's, we don't want to call it that strong, but it's like, oh, that's really tough. Um, but it's actually this huge kindness because if we stop on the first stop of the route like we're supposed to, we can actually head the direction that we need to. Yeah. And I think, I know for me, what can happen so easily is I'm like down the road and then all of a sudden I'm trying to like pull out the map and like look at it while I'm still navigating and, and realize I've, I've gone so far down this road in a relationship yeah. or in a behavior or whatever or a way of thinking, and I have to backpedal, (laughs) come back to that place of humility where it's like, if I would have just stopped here like I know I needed to, Mm -hmm. I would have known which direction actually to head. And so it's this huge kindness that even, it's it's challenging, but it's this massive kindness, I think, that God has given us if we're willing to walk in it. And it's moment by moment. I mean, even like last night, uh, Charlotte was, you know, sharing some stuff with me that some other people were saying, and it just, I went from zero to 10 in my heart of just frustration immediately, and that's so stupid, and this and that, and I'm like, I'm coming here today to talk about taking the log out of my own eye, and last night, I'm just like completely blowing it, um, so it's a moment-by-moment decision that we had, and when we realize it, we have to snap back to that place, so Kyle, I, I, I would just want to hear from you as we think about this, like looking in a mirror at ourselves, and the things that we're seeing, and you know, the impurities rising up in our faith. What are some of the, those themes that have kind of come through this for you, the, our, our inheritance series or just the pandemic? You know, what are those themes that God's bringing to you? Yeah, I mean, I think like the, the big one for me, and this will seem so basic, but um, embracing completely the reality that Jesus needs to be the only thing that my life is tethered to. I know that that seems like it should be just like day one of being a Christian, right? But I know I find for myself, and I'm super judgy about everyone else's ties and tethers to other things, but I find in my own life, when, and this has been a really good like centering series for me to really like press into that, I look around and I think, man, like I see all of these weights that my life is tethered to, and a lot of, not, they're not even all bad things, but they're, they're not Jesus, which means I need to, to hold them loosely. I need to untie that tether. I need to make sure that 
Jesus, and not Jesus interpreted through my own experience or Jesus interpreted through, interpreted through uh, like where I live in the world or the time I live or the value system that it's at play now, but Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture, um, I need to make sure that my life is tied tightly to him. And when I do that, I notice that a whole bunch of my thinking starts to change and how I see the world and how I see people starts to change. And it kind of, that, that kind of is the foundation, I guess, for me of like the other thing that God has really been like challenging me with throughout all of this, which is as people who don't know Jesus are sitting wherever they're sitting during this whole pandemic thing, um, is what they're seeing reflected by me reflected by us as the church, is it something that is compelling? Or are they looking at how I respond to situations, how I respond to disappointment, how I respond to people, and are they seeing something that is not very compelling? Um, I just, I can't help, I can't help but go back to this place where, you know, the, the people that I talk to who aren't Christians, like, they're struggling, just like all of us are, uh, most of us are, I guess, um, they are afraid that their businesses are going to close. Like, they are afraid for the health of themselves and for their, their friends and neighbors. They are frustrated at what they perceive as overreach by the government. They're, they're bummed that they have to now be a teacher to their kids for, like, an entire year, and they don't know what they're doing, which I'm on that same boat myself. And so, like, they're experiencing all of these things, and it's, this isn't a slam in any way, but they don't have, like, hope for something beyond what they're experiencing right now. And I keep going back to this place. It's like, I really hope that if people who don't know Jesus are looking at me, they see someone who's carrying hope. And I really hope that how people see the church is a bunch of people who are carrying hope. And I think the way that we communicate that, a massive way we communicate that, is how we treat each other during this. And my mind's drawn back to John 13, where where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's like, the way that they're going to know that you guys are with me, that you value things that I value, you're part of my kingdom, is how you're going to treat each other. And I don't, I really don't mean for this to be like a weapon of shame or anything like that. I just, I see it myself, so I want to bring it out here. I just wonder if at the end of all of this, people are going to look at how Christians responded to each other, yeah. as different as we believe, as many, you know, differences that, that we think how things should happen, are people who don't know Jesus, they're going to look at us and say, I want to be a part of that? Yeah. Or are they going to look at us and be like, I don't want anything to do with that? Yeah. My, my mind goes back to just this example. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, and I don't want to get into anyone's business, but I've gotten to see this a few times of people just handle their inheritance really poorly. Like, you know, a family where a grandparent dies or a parent dies or something, and then like a billion like weirdo relatives come out of the woodwork, and they're all demanding certain things, and people are, you know, stabbing each other in the back. They're really nasty to each other all over this inheritance that they've received. Um, I just, I ask that question. Are people going to look at us and be like, man, they're not handling their inheritance well? Because those experiences have put me in a spot where I'm like, I hope my parents leave me nothing. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want any of this if that's all that comes yeah. with it. And I so hope that that's not what the church is remembered for, the general church is remembered for during this time uh, and during this pandemic. I don't think it has to be. I definitely no. don't think it has to be. No. But I think it starts with us reflecting and asking how are we treating each other because there is a world who is watching who needs to see the hope that we say we have yeah i i I do think that the church um with the season we're in we like have this opportunity huge opportunity that could go one of two ways 
Um, I think that we as a church, worldwide, but I think let's just talk more locally here, Crosspoint. Um, we have the opportunity to hand the devil a, a rather large victory or a stunning defeat. I really do think that that's in play here, um, that through this pandemic and through all the other things that are happening, because we, we have the pandemic, but then in the middle of that, you know, racial tensions blew up. And we have to remember, we've got an election coming up here, which is always a super fun time in culture, uh, just with all the division and the, the nasty things that get said and, and, and how people divide. I think that the devil has a, a long game and a short game in this, but I, I think um, the, the picture that is to me a perfect, hopefully a perfect illustration of this is that like magicians, uh, whenever they do uh, a, a magic show, there's this thing called uh, misdirection. It's a real art. So they're trying to make this magical thing happen to you, like something appear or something disappear or whatever their, their thing is. And either they will with one hand or if they have like a, a partner, like a pen and teller thing, their partner will do something very misdirecting to get uh, all kinds of uh, everyone's attention and eyes over here at this thing while over here they're doing the magic trick. They're doing the thing they want to actually accomplish. So they get you to look here so that they can, you know, hide the thing or disappear the thing or whatever over here. And I think that's exactly what the devil is trying to do. Um, I think the devil would love for the whole church to be focused on masks or vaccines or, you know, uh, social distancing or should schools open or not and all these things. And those are not unimportant issues. Those are important issues. Um, there's a lot of important issues happening right now. But if we got so focused on those things and which side we fall off on either of those and then we divide over it, this amazing magic trick, and amazing in a bad way, happens. The devil, through these things that are maybe secondary or tertiary issues, he's able to eat away and destroy something that is a primary issue in the church, which is unity. Biblical Christian unity. Not uniformity, but unity. So I think the trick he's trying to play right now is to get us all thinking about which side I fall off on these secondary or tertiary issues so that at the end of this time, what he really wanted to do, which was to, to farm and sprout disunity in the church, it can happen. If we give into that, and if we come out on the other side of this pandemic or whatever season we're in right now, whatever you want to call this group of things we're going through, um, and the church is less unified, we've chosen to hand the devil a massive victory. However, if through this and the sowing the seeds of discord and disunity, we don't do that. And, and in my heart, I say, Kyle, you and I don't have to see the same on everything. We don't have to agree on everything. But on the end of this, it doesn't matter which side I fall out on on these secondary issues. I'm committed to you more than I am my opinion on these issues. I don't necessarily even have to change my mind. I don't necessarily have to change my opinion. But if I say, Kyle, you and I are going to be brothers and closer out of, out of the other end of this than before, then what we sang that song, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Then this thing that the devil thought he was going to do in the church ends up being a real sock in the jaw for him, a real stunning defeat. I would love to get through the end of this and see our church, the people in our church, and in Modesto, uh, Stanislaus, the church is more united with each other than divided. And this is this is what I love that, that you keep bringing up, is unity is not a passive thing. It's not, and I think sometimes we think of it as that, because it's like, well, just whatever. Like, that's kind of what we picture unity being, but it's not passive. It's actually, I believe it's more active. It takes more hard work to pursue unity, because 
being divided is easy. You just pick a side and you, yeah. you dig your heels in and that's that. That's um, the default. Yeah, that's the default. But unity requires us to really go after. And that means that if the enemy succeeds at dividing our church during this time, cross point, it's because we let him do it. Right. It's not because Jesus failed because he doesn't do that. Right. <laughs> it's because we just said, here, take it. That's right. Which I think, I mean, that's right now I'm just feeling impacted by that, convicted by that. If we fa- fail at this, it's because yeah. we let it happen. Yeah, and we don't have to because we have this hope. We have, right. we have this strength. We have this tether, and, and the enemy can't do anything to, de- to deteriorate him. And, and it isn't uniformity. It isn't that you and I or anyone else has to agree on any of the issues completely. I mean, there are some issues we definitely need to agree on. Jesus is the only way. He is the Son of God. These things that are like, man, the massive things of our faith. But there's issues that... <laughs> Aren't really the arguments at the moment. No, no, we're not. I mean, we're not arguing about those things. Uh, But I think uh, it's unity is even more beautiful when there isn't uniformity. When there's uh, a diversity of people who come in, you know, whether there's diversity in, you know, race, ethnicity, uh, opinions, who you vote for, those types of things. When people who come across from a, a broad range of perspectives can say, but there's one thing that's more important than that, and it's Jesus, and I'm going to love my brothers and my sisters over and above the things we disagree. That's a beautiful thing, and it isn't uniformity, and it's not that there isn't a right or a wrong. It's not that it's just, oh, whatever your truth is. No, we're not saying that. You know, at the end of this, and probably in some years from now, after coronavirus gets studied and all this stuff, we're going to probably see, hopefully more clearly, really how dangerous it was and the things that would have done the best things to impact, we, you know, we divide over those things right now, but really in the end of those, those, those are gray areas because they're not like things that are scripture just like nails down. But through this, if we can be not uniform, we can have different opinions, but come out of the other side of it or in the middle of it too with unity. What a beautiful thing that is. And what, what, how amazing God can, can use that. And it take, takes us back like full circle to where we started on this series is the unity that, that we can all agree on is that Jesus is the center. That's right. And, and it even takes my mind back to when we talked. It was just a while ago we talked about like gospel community, and it's been in our language. But the idea that like we can look really, really different than each other, have really, really different opinions, but the thing we have in common is Jesus. Absolutely. And I know for me it's been easy to let everything else cloud like what I'm actually, who I'm actually should be tethered to. Yeah. And it's such a good call for each of us to be like, that's how unity is accomplished is by is by building on that firm foundation of Jesus. Houses might all look different, but the foundation's the same. Yeah, and I think the picture, when we were talking this week, kind of a good illustration picture of this is that if you just picked like random 10 people all around the globe, you know, someone in India, someone in Scotland, someone in uh, Bangladesh, someone in uh, Argentina, someone in America, whatever, and, and you gave them all a compass, you know, and you said, hey, where that needle is pointing, that's true north. So just walk that direction and keep walking that direction. You could have people start from all over the globe, thousands of miles apart, having nothing to do with each other, um, not even knowing each other, not being in agreement with worldview or anything like that. And, and if they all just kept heading to that magnetic north, at some point in time, they would all end up in the exact same spot, magnetic north. And I think that's a perfect picture or a clear, near perfect picture of how we can be in this time where there is a lot of division. There's a lot of things we don't agree on. But if our focus, the focus isn't me and Kyle have to be unified first. It's 
I have to be unified with Christ. And as I unify with Christ and Kyle unifies with Christ, we become one. We become more unified and we end up in that same spot. It, it's, we're not going to be perfectly unified until we, we die and we're with the Lord. Um, Jesus mops this whole thing up and cleans it up and makes it right. Um, but man, if we would all be moving in that same direction of pursuing Jesus, that takes huge humility, takes stopping and saying, God, look at me first. I don't want to fix everyone else if I'm not fixed, if I'm not, you know, moving closer to you. So I think that's really a huge takeaway from how do we lay hands on our inheritance? Become like Jesus because he is the inheritance. Keep moving towards him. We're so glad that you guys were able to be here with us this morning. We're going to wrap up with some prayer. We're going to see a video on community. And I think, I uh, hope that it speaks to you like it, it has to me. Um, but just want to encourage you that maybe this week, since uh, this is not like new information so much, uh, as much as re- reviewing things we've talked about, maybe this is a good week for all of us to just take some time or just schedule a moment in our week to stop and say, Father, what have you been speaking to me about during this series or through this pandemic? And, and really actually do, actually do, isn't that amazing? Do what Jesus said, which is to stop and use all the craziness we're seeing as a mirror and say, God, start with me. I've been looking at everyone else. I've been seeing all the specks in the eyes of all the people around me and the media and the politicians and the health, all these things that have been happening. I'm going to stop. And Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to push pause on seeing those things in others. And I want you to use it as a mirror for me right now. And then re-engage me, Lord, in the way that I need to once you do some work in my heart. So maybe that's what we all need to do this week is just stop and allow the Lord to show us the things in our hearts that he wants to change in us. Would you pray with me? Father, uh, you are so gracious. You came running after me uh, when I was nothing like you, when you and I didn't agree on anything, before I could do anything to make myself worthwhile to you. You came running to me, and you sought me out, and you sought unity with a rebellious child a rebellious son, and you made me your son. You made us your family. You love us, and that's why you do what you do. And for your glory, so we ask, Jesus, that we would be like you. We'd follow suit, that we would choose love and humility and graciousness with each other. We would choose unity uh, over our, our pet opinions and thoughts and that you would just keep sorting those, those secondary things out as we go. But we want to come out of this time that we're in as a church stronger, more unified, more committed to each other than we've ever been. We may not always be able to be in the same room, Father, but we can still have our hearts unified and tied together. Would you do in us this week and following whatever you have to do to get our attention, to look at ourselves in the mirror, to allow you access to those things you want to fix and then bring us together unified. We thank you. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the beautiful thing it is, as broken and weird as it can be. We thank you for the gift that we have, that we have a family. And we pray that you would keep making us more like our Savior Jesus every single day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Thank you.